Coming up in this episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast, we look at the new teams to the men and women's Super Pesis. We talk through all the new moves in the off-season, have a look at EPESIS, and what exactly is the Super Cup. That's all coming up in this episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. Hello and welcome to uh, the March 2021 episode of uh, the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Ian Alba, and joining me as ever is our resident coach. It's Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how are you doing? Hello, uh, I'm good. Uh, the spring is starting to arrive also in Finland, uh, even though there's like uh, six feet of snow outside, but uh, the days are getting longer and it feels good. The season is about a couple of months away, hopefully. So, all good. And also with us, of course, is our other co-host. It's our friend from across the pond. It's Ron Bronson. How are you doing, Ron? Hello. It's good to talk to you both. Um, with all of us having light for the first time ever. Folks don't know. We used to record this podcast. Where it was always night for Miko and Ian. And uh, and for me, it was day. It was daytime. And so now we flipped it. And so now it's, uh, it's morning for me. And even after, even late afternoon for them, this is amazing. So great to be on the chat again. And um, obviously, it's been quite a few months since we've uh, we've recorded. Um, lots has happened, or in some cases, not a lot has happened. I've been in lockdown for a fair few months. But uh, Miko, I noticed that um, you'd been doing some more training for uh, some other um, nations, uh, Pespalo teams. Yeah, some training. And uh, we had a we had an international webinar for the for the new countries that are starting to play the game. And uh, it's uh, let's see what what comes out of it. But uh, in January, they started to play Pesapalo in uh, Pakistan, and uh, there's also interest from uh, in countries such as uh, Mexico and and also uh, Malaysia. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what what comes out of it. But uh, it's definitely there, and also the uh, the equipment part of the game that will be crucial for spread, spreading the game worldwide. It has been taking huge steps now that, for example, Bangladesh started to make uh, good quality Pesapalo gloves uh, themselves. So it should help the game to spread in South Asia. That's fantastic news. Uh, is there anything new with you, Ron? There's not. Um, I'm just, uh, just, just looking forward to some kind of season this year. I will say that um, yeah, every year, every year we, we talk about this, because we've been doing this for a year, but every year we talk about Pace Apollo internationally, especially in the States specifically, more and more people, you know, are finding the game and I get emails or folks will send me DMs on, you know, in different, different social channels. And so I think the awareness of the game is broadening and going again beyond that 
uh, jokey sort of in America, the jokey, ha ha ha, look at this crazy thing those Finns are doing and more, oh, this is interesting. What's this about? So I'm excited. I mean, excited to, you know, hopefully capitalize on that energy this year somehow and into the future. So, yeah, but no other news otherwise. Well, it's good to be back on the podcast. Um, so let's dive straight in. We've got a, a slightly strange situation coming up this year where we had no teams relegated from Super Pesis last year in either the men's or the women's league. Uh, but we do have teams being promoted. So I wanted to talk a little bit about about, uh, about those teams uh, who've been promoted. And uh, the team that's come up from the men's Super Pesis uh, into Super Pesis is uh, Hamina. Um, so Hamina is... Um, Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but they're they're towards the south uh, in Finland, uh, quite close to Kovala. And one of the things I, that that caught my eye is is the sort of iconic orange and black. Um, being a lifelong Dundee United fan, um, having a team back in the in the top division in orange and black that that sort of struck a chord with me. Um, but I I do wonder where they'll finish uh, in the season. Um, they haven't had a lot of success fairly recently. Their their um, medal run has finished in 1974. They've had seven golds in total um, and were established in 1928. But that's all the, the kind of stuff you can Google on, on the internet about um, Hamina. Um, Mika, what's your experience of the team? Well, I think that the traditions actually play a part there because uh, no matter the, what level they have been playing at, they they can actually produce decent uh, numbers in terms of attendance in games. Even even if they were playing like Ukospecis games, their their average attendance can be compared to those uh, like the uh, bottom three, bottom quarter, so to say, from Superpesis. The season before the last when, when I was a coach in Tampere with Mansa Pepe and we uh, we played with Hamina. I mean, they were the team that were in the races the longest for for a direct promotion to Superpesis. Uh, to our games, they, they, could, they could like gather crowds of uh, 1,500 to 2,000 people. And so they have tradition and... Uh, I mean, they they will not have superstar players in their team. Uh, they they visited the Superpesis a couple of seasons ago too, and uh, there they got like early in the season they got some decent wins and they got some. Uh, how should I say it? They they were they were colorful teams not just the jersey but otherwise too i mean the the playing style was like the, the they thought that their only way was to play against the odds and attack so it was like they were entertaining games to watch and uh yeah it's located in the, in the southeast and uh near near kovola it's not far from helsinki either it's only a like uh over and a half drive from Helsinki, so uh, the the local rival is Kovala, but to be honest, the gap in in terms of quality of the teams doesn't make them rivals at this very moment. Uh, 
last time when they were in Superpesis, they tried to kind of start to create the rival rivalry again. But as we all know, it's only possible if if you can compete against each other on a regular basis. So I mean, if it if it goes ten nil, ten nil, there's no like it's not a rivalry. But it, it's kind of it's kind of going to be interesting to see. And they got some good additions also to the team and uh, some good good exciting young players. So who knows? Well, talking of of new additions to the team. Um, Sasu Toika from uh, KPL uh, signed for them, and I, uh, the, the thing that really sticks in my mind about Sasu was that last year he did the E playoffs for Govla's ice hockey team in the um, in the Liga <laughs> um, e, e playoffs to to replace the real playoffs when the pandemic hit. Um, but it'll be interesting to see um, ha- how he fits into that team, and one of the other. Um, players who certainly caught my eye uh, moving there was uh, uh, Timo Rauhiainen from Hurinka. Um Do you think that they're going to add um, a, a bit more kind of uh, star quality, um, as we mentioned, to to that team? Definitely, they will be the they will be the key players. They will be the star players, to be honest. And uh, uh, Rauhiainen can add. Uh, like the dimension of having a quality number one in the team, and uh, so he can he can play a part. And uh, Toika is uh, he is originally from H- Hamina. That's like uh, it, it's a family name that runs. Uh, like sometimes it, it feels like that half of the players who come from Hamina are, are called Toika, and uh, but. He, as we know, he tore his Achilles tendon in the last season's like Superpass's final series. So hopefully, it's not gonna going to play a part, and uh, hopefully the rehabilitation and all have have went well. But but we have seen that he is a reliable uh, player, also on the outfield and a real threat uh, while when he's batting. So he will be given a lot of responsibility and he can also carry that so he's a he's a shrewd addition for sure and uh, he'll be joining the likes of uh, Juha Leskinen um who was uh, Hamina's well, one of Hamina's star players last year who got 27 RBI on the season um it, it'll be interesting to see how how they compete with some of the teams at, at the lower end um, we don't quite know how the relegation rules are going to work at the moment. Things are still a little bit up in the air uh, in terms of the pandemic. So we'll wait and see closer to the season to try and assess their chances a little bit there. Um, Ron, have have you got much experience about Hamina? Don't. Um, weirdly, they're a team, this is from, from the fan angle, uh, I can say that they're one of the teams that's been pretty active on Instagram. And so I'm actually aware of them from that. I don't I didn't watch a lot of Google cases uh, last year at all. I mean, a few games that so, you know, on, on TV or something, but not much. So I did not uh, see any of their games. Um, but, but like I said, I'm aware of them because of, I know what they look like. I know I know those things because of their presence on social media. And I, I know we've talked about this before. One of the cool things about the game now is that as a casual fan, you're able to jump into 
the game from so many different places. In the old days, all of us, you know, non-Fin fans had to, you know, really dig to find stuff. And it's so fun now that you can use Twitter and Instagram. And now they're on, so places on TikTok to be able to, um, to get into the game in different ways. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm excited for more teams to be in the top of the division. Um, I think it's good for the game to have, even if teams don't make it, I think it's good for the game to have that exposure to more cities. You know, Paces is, is, is a small town game. And so I'm excited to see how they perform. And if we've learned anything from last year, we said it on this show first, that the pandemic's going to make things weird. And what do we get last year? We got a super weird year. I mean, obviously the outcome was the same as a normal year, maybe with Sakuma winning it all. But, but we had weirdness before that. And, and so I, I expect this year will be maybe even more weird because now we've been living with this, right? So... I'm excited to see how they do. And in terms of women's super passes, we saw Helsinki back with a team in the top division. Um, and that's Helsingen Royhu. Um, a, a much sort of newer team than Hamina, founded in 1957. And uh, the colours are very different as well, uh, blue and white. Medals, they've had four silvers in... Uh, and the last came in 1988, so they never quite made that top uh, top spot. Um, obviously, being in Helsinki, close to Hervinka and Tampere, um, first and foremost, whether they'll be likely rivals for this season or not is is anybody's guess um, with the situation with COVID. But you would have thought Tampere probably a little bit out of their league. Um, do you think that's about fair, Miko? Yes, in in one word, yes. They they need to be in different leagues at at this moment, and uh, I mean they have they have done quality work in Royo to uh, develop young players and uh, create the kind of a team that had a cha- had a fighting chance to get promoted, and which was exactly what they did. So uh, it's a kind of a organization that specialized in 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 women's uh, more more or less even though they have like talented junior players also in the in the men's category for example it's a good it's a nice coincidence that uh, one of the Hamina's Hamina men's key players uh, my my former player from my Helsinki days um, Hamina pitcher Matthias Hangasma, who's 25 now, he's uh, he played his junior years with Roihu in in Helsinki. So uh, it's like uh, the location in Helsinki is is on the eastern side of Helsinki, and uh, it it kind of means that it's uh, it's not somewhere where people would like come by chance to they they actually need to want to go there i mean you can it's it's the only uh, only game in in finland where you can actually take a subway and go watch a game when when you take a look at the conditions where they play in uh, it's like it, it shows that the respect towards this game in helsinki at this moment is not is not at its highest i mean they they have done a great job in trying to improve those conditions and uh, stands and such such things, but but there's a long long way to go. But I'm I'm happy to see them make a comeback to to Superpasis. And I, I just want to say one thing about what 
what Ron said earlier, that uh, to a certain extent, I agree that, I mean, the the number of teams in superpasses in both men's and women's superpasses is, it has been a, like a decision made by the federation some years ago that they will expand the number of teams playing in the top divisions to get more exposure, like you said, Ron, that uh, more more cities, more 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 towns, more organizations get that exposure. But coming from the game, uh, from inside the game, and seeing the junior side of this, and the, and the future, uh, it's also a huge chance and a huge challenge to to be honest, to be able to develop enough players to sustain this number of teams uh, because for me uh, I mean my, my personal opinion is that still uh, the, the the number of quality players in in superpasses are maybe enough to cover 12 men's teams and 10 women's teams that's my opinion and it, it hasn't actually changed a lot in the last 10 years or so but now we're going to see, now, now there will be 15 uh, teams, for example, in the men's game. So it can, lead, it can lead up in these uncertain times. It can lead up to something crazy. I mean, that's, that's for sure. But I, I just hope that it, it stays competitive, uh, especially if they go into like, uh, to, to the point of the season where there will be some congestion with fixed, fixtures. So they will have to play like three games a week. All, every team does not have, like, they don't have the players to rotate. And, uh, but yeah, we'll see. It's uh, uh, just looking forward to the season. Hmm. I mean, sticking with this, I mean, we, we, we talked a little bit about the, the impact all these new uh, fixture shifts and, and changes in the rules would have um, on the last season. And one of the the things about they're not having that relegation battle um, was also on the table for the teams. And we were quite surprised and quite pleased to see how competitive the season was for as long as it was last year. So um, let's keep our fingers crossed that that we see something uh, so competitive for uh, for so long this year. Um, In terms of uh, key players for... Um, Royhu. Um, I've seen a couple of uh, of names that have returned uh, to the team. Nobody really knew uh, per se signing for them. So there was uh, Marianne uh, Pentonen and uh, Orna uh, Rantuma uh, who've come back. Um, but looking at the statistics, they had five players in the top twenty for runs scored. So they're not short of of people running the bases and, and reaching reaching home. Um, Ella Ryman was uh, third in terms of successful hits in the season as well. So that that's certainly a name to look out for in the season. Um, is there anybody in particular that has caught your eye, Mikko? No, not yet. I mean, uh, I know that the players coming back, they will have that invaluable experience of like what what it is to make the step uh, to to come 
to come to that superposition level and w- what it takes to play against the top teams in the division. But uh, I'm especially looking forward to some some young players in their ranks. I mean, the, there's uh, really good talent coming through, pushing through, and uh, I, I think that it will take another two, maybe three years to see them rise up to the level that take they could like challenge for the place in top six, let's say. But but I think that. The the way that the way that they have prepared the team uh, like long term is something that I really appreciate. The the quality of coaching there is really good, and uh, it it should lead them to good things. And uh, Ron is I'm not sure if you've got much experience of of Roy Hu yourself either, but you you saw a lot of the the women's games in Superbasis. Um, last year, right? I was gonna say I'm gonna flip this a little bit because I what for this is for the casual fan. This kind this part that I wanted to tie to what Miko said because there there's a parallel. If you're a if you're a baseball fan, you've heard this conversation of before about parity and about there being in baseball, in American baseball, American sports. You know when we we add teams, we don't we don't promotion and relegations. When we add teams, it's usually through expansion. So an owner has enough money and they get a group together and they buy their way into a league. And that's how you, teams here, leagues here expand. It's always been that way. Um, and so this would be similar for the American fan. This, this year is similar to like an expansion where you've got some teams that don't have the depth of, 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 of a, you know, a more established team. So they're going to have some issues and things like that. But the thing that's fun about expansion, even when it is, okay, people complain about the quality of the games and, oh, you know, for instance, in baseball, people wish that we still had four-man rotations instead of five-man rotations, and wish that te- you know, wish there were fewer teams. We could get rid of four teams, and it would make talent and quality better. So I think it's even. I like that. I appreciate Miko bringing giving us that perspective because as a Pace Apollo fan who came from baseball, I wouldn't have thought about this. I'm watching the games. You know, I know the quality is a little different, but to me, they're all you know, everybody's doing their thing. But I think it's cool for if you're a fan and you're new to the game and you're hearing this as you watch through the season and start to see little highlights and things like that, maybe noticing those differences can be kind of cool just to, to help you start to sharpen your lens of the game a little bit. Because again, as casual fans, maybe we don't see, I don't know if I'm casual anymore, but <laughs> if I'm doing a, a finished baseball podcast, <laughs> I think I'm beyond casual, but, but I think it's an interesting point. So I appreciate him bringing that up because it, because it does, it has parallels in other sports, basketball, all American sports. This is a conversation that happens a lot. So this, this will be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, uh, I would just like to add one one more thing that could actually be the most crucial if we take a look at the sport in, in general, is that uh, what I realized while working with Pesapalo in Helsinki is that the only way to make it like... Uh, big again over there too i mean it was uh, it hasn't always been like this in terms of like being a game of uh, smaller towns and villages uh, if you go for example you go back to 1970s or so uh, the men and women both won championships by then and uh, but now the situation is that uh, 
the only way to get recognition in that metropolitan area is to actually be to be able to provide superpasses on a year-to-year basis. I mean, year after year, and uh, also the men's men's uh, thing should follow in in a couple of years. I don't know if, if it will, but but that's like uh, it it is very much of a game uh, like the the old. I don't know if we can call it the baseball movie, the field of field of dreams with with Kevin Costner. That if you build it, they will come. It's like that. That's the situation over there. It's not the 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 city of Helsinki is not going to build you a new Pasapalo Stadium out of the blue. You you have to bring them a team, and you have to be able to. Uh, like prove that we're gonna bring in 2,000 people to watch the games, and after that they they will do something uh, to to help you with your with your process. But uh, nobody's gonna do it for you. Well, well, we'll come on to that that topic again, I suppose, a little bit later when we're talking about Tampere um, and and how Mansa have expanded their team. And um, but Ron, in terms of what the image of of having um, a city like Helsinki uh, as a in a sport, having a team in the top division, um, how it appears to um, outsiders, uh, so outside of Finland, because I remember um, when Swansea City were promoted uh, in the the English Premier League. I, I was over in uh, the states at one point, and, and somebody was like, "Oh, you're from you're from Swansea? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know that." It sort of put them on the map, but people kind of expect, you know, teams from London, from Manchester, you know, Liverpool. So, you know, they're they're the kind of names that that, that ring loud. And when we're talking about, you know, Vimpoli, Sotgamo, you know, the, the, the casual American fan will be like, "Well, where are these places? I I've never heard of them." Um, but having having Helsinki uh, as a name, that that might be a trigger. Something. Oh yeah, well I I know Helsinki. Even Tampere joining, you know, last week when when they came up, we were like excited, like oh wow, we got a big town and <laughs> like wow, we got a big city in the game. We're excited about this. We're excited about that. I think that especially for the women's game, that visibility of just having regular. Uh, games that not that not that Ukopesis games or games at lower levels don't count because they do, but having having that visibility, you know, having that being part of the media cycle, and if they're successful, they stay up and they're successful. Having that consistency, like Miko talked about, with you know, you want to see it over time. One year is cool, but what you want to see is every year that they're okay, they're in super paces. Oh, now they're a competitor, a top eight super paces teams making the playoffs and having that consistency and then motivating the men's side, I think it's great for the game. As somebody who, you know, feels like they're an ambassador to the game and tries to explain to people kind of the game and talks about teams, people ask me, okay, I've looked online and I've done this to, you know, during the pandemic especially, have gotten people, you know, interested in the game and they're following the different accounts. And they say, well, I need to pick a team now. Where should I pick a team? Is there a team in Helsinki so I can fly to Finland? And I'm like, no, there are a few teams nearby, kind of, but you'll need a car and, so I think, obviously, for the casual fan, or even the people, you know, and folks in Helsinki, we know this, who, who moved from other parts of Finland, who grew up with the game, you know, they're not, you know, people, you know, obviously, we talk to somebody in Helsinki about Pesos, they look at you like you have four heads. Um, I have I have introduced Pesos Apollo to more Finns than Americans, for the record. <laughs> 
Um, to be fair, some of them live in America, but still, they'll give me like, oh, how do you know? Tell me more about this. I'm curious. I didn't care about it as a kid, you know. Um, so I think having that access is going to be really good for the game. And like you said, I think as being able to tell people that as a team in this town, you know, as a, again, as a fan, being able to know when I pick a team, I can go and I can fly in like England, you know, it's tons of fans who or English soccer folks who fly in. I have friends who are Americans who are in other countries who fly to England to watch games, you know, back in the pre times. Um, cause they picked their favorite team years ago and they watched them on television and now they're flying to, you know, to fly to London to see one of their teams or they're going to, you know, I'm a Swansea fan, so don't count me, but, um, Anyway, I think it's going to be really good if we can, if we have more of, not more of that. I mean, I want the game to retain its core, as a, and I think it will. But I, I think that, uh, like Miko said, that that having having a team there that's successful and people can go to, you can take a subway to the game. How powerful is that? You know, if I fly in to see Lapua play in Helsinki, that's really exciting to me. Um, you know, one less one less road trip. So I think it'll be great for, 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 for casual fans, even in, even in casual fans in Finland, not just international fans, because obviously we're pretty small still. Well, we'll take a, a short break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about some of the uh, off-season moves. Okay, uh, welcome back. Uh, so we're going to be talking about some of the uh, moves in the off-season. Now, uh, f- for those who are not usually familiar um, with players' contracts and transfers and so on and so forth in Pes Palo, it- it's not really the same as in, uh, say, for example, in America, um, that there's this huge kind of market for, for players and they move around um, wherever the money takes them uh, quite often. Um, people tend to be fairly static. They they tend to stay with uh, with teams for quite some time. But this off season, we saw quite a few notable signings uh, from uh, Tampere's uh, Mansa Pepe, um, Thomas Jusila, Juha Putimaki, Simo Vainikainen, uh, to name a few. And uh, you know, all former Joensu players now. I did start to wonder whether it was a bit like Mr. Burns in the Simpsons episode, buying up all the the kind of top players to make the the kind of super team. Um, but uh, Mikko, what do you think of the uh, the signings that Tampa have made? Well, first of all, I I think that they were they are not just uh, like superstar signings in Pesapolo. But but they're also uh, how should I put it? It had to be made because it's the same. I mean, once again, there's a nice coincidence with the with the us with us talking about Helsinki. That when when we go to a Tampere region where the Pesapalo now has some kind of a foothold. I mean, they they had a new uh, new stadium even. Uh, I mean the new playing surface for last season. Now they where they will have new stands maybe ready uh, to to support that. And uh, but when we take a look at the bigger cities and whether where the people uh, where the demographic actually leads the people in Finland these days, uh, it's also 
a sure thing that if you want to be a successful sport in in Tampere region, you, you need to be able to play for the highest positions. I mean, you can you can play your rookie season uh, and just make people uh, realize, notice that now now we play in superpasses. But that that's a maximum of two years when you can do that. Now that they got this project underway and they got some people who have both like expertise about the game, but also like the financial muscle behind it, they they could make those signings and they needed to make those signings because one thing that still is very much in place in Finnish sports in in this sport is that when you, if you have an away game somewhere in some small village where Pesapala is the number one thing, it's like if, if you're representing a team that comes from, for example, in, in our situation, we're talking about big cities like Helsinki and Tampere, and I have represented them both uh, as a coach in a game uh, going somewhere. It's like they... Uh, they will be the most hated team and we need the villain also in this in this game uh, and uh, when Helsinki played when they came up like when they gave a wild card for the men's superpasses team about 25 years ago that was that was a one sure thing they when they went to play an away game for example in Kite where I went, went to see all the games back in the day and they played for both of them played for the championship they they openly hated uh, the that team because they were from Helsinki and the hatred towards them was like it was uh, it was uh, I, I wouldn't say that it was a hostile environment but it, it certainly was not like a friendly thing and it was like even representing Helsinki or Tampere for that matter even in Ukkospesis level for example when you go to go somewhere they're going to it's it's a bigger thing for them to beat those teams to be honest and to get the small victory against that like the the city where that takes your uh young young educated people because they can offer the jobs over there so it's like uh, when we go uh, that that's one thing that we laughed about uh going to going to play an away game and uh in both Helsinki and Tampere our entire team actually consisted of, of about three players who had been brought up in the organization and nine players who had just come uh, who were semi semi professional players who came there to have a job and and play Pesapalo also at, at the highest level so it's like uh now they made made a big splash uh, making those signings and uh, that makes this season uh, the most interesting one that I can I can remember in years uh, they they will add one more team to the top in in superpasses and then we're going to see five or uh, more than more than four teams who very much have stand a chance of winning the whole thing and that's something that we haven't seen in in uh, 15 20 years but like you say um it's it's a crowded market 
in Dampere because they have two uh, professional ice hockey teams that um, that 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 are very good. Um, so that they have to almost shout very loud to be heard within their own city, let alone when they go on the road and, and play. Um, I did wonder, and I was, <laughs> I've been thinking whether to mention this or not. But um, is Tampere going to be the new Tampa Bay? Because I know Miko, you um, follow the NFL as well. Um, but <laughs> are these signings like um, Brady and Gronk? Uh, are we are we going to see this Tampere side? You know, really strive for the for the championship this year? I don't. I mean, I don't see why not. Uh, I think that now now that Sotkamo got there, young superstars already in place sooner than I thought. I think that they they will be the team to beat. But I, I think that we can draw some similarities there because uh, just like just like Tampa Bay had uh, they had a hard time in the beginning of the season to like to make things click because for example now, now that they have changed practically a half of their team in the off season and uh, and the players who come in, uh, they they all have like uh, they have their own qualities, and they need to make it work together. Okay, they have played together in some teams before, but uh, but still, it's it, it might take time. That's that's for sure. But it, it's the only way uh, to create that kind of a team that can play for the championship when the, when September arrives. That's the only way to make them stand out in the in Tampere region because there's also the like Ian you said that two professional ice hockey teams they have like the floorball is something that is is followed in winter time they have a defending championship team they they are uh, traditionally good in basketball and in terms of games played over summer in Finland uh, the the European football side of it. Uh, tra- traditional club Tampere and Ilves has made a resurgence uh, to to play for the top spots in in Vekas Liga, which is the highest division of football. I mean, uh, two two years ago they even made made it to uh, like the European competitions and in, in European club competitions. So it's like. Uh, if you would stay in places uh, 10, 11, 12, to people would just like fade away. The interest would just fade away. You, you had to make a splash, and now they're, to be honest, they are going going for broke now. It's uh, two years, two years to get a result. That's the situation. And Ron, um, something a, a bit more akin, perhaps, to, to what you're used to seeing in um, transfer markets in America. Um, what did you think of the signings for Tampere? Thought they were bold. You know, they were doing all those promotions to to let you know they were signing guys. And then, um, Kudmaki to me was he was a huge signing, just because I think a guy like that for the for the uninitiated, he was the lead pitcher for you know the team that went back to back titles. You know, until and now he's leaving, leaving a champion. You know, of course, Sakamoto in this year, but you know, it was a three-time, you know, semifinalist. You know, two titles, um, and it was the, it was the guy, the glue, right? Like the guy. And so to so to take a guy like that, a heart and soul guy, bring him to your locker room, right? And to and to bring that to a team that was already pretty good, 
um, is pre- I think it's pretty cool. And and um, and, and and like Nico said, I think you're in a big city. You got to make an impact. You got to make a splash. You got to let people notice you. And I think that I think that we certainly are noticing. So now it's just the question: Can they get it done on the field? And you're right; it's definitely a parallel to all of them. Anybody who follows American sports, you know, when the Lakers go out and get all the best players, and like, all right, we're doing this, you know. Or and baseball happens all the time in baseball, where teams will go out and sign a bunch of guys, like the Yankees or some other team. Um, so I think it was definitely a very, a very, a very free agency kind of move. It wasn't a transfer move. Transfer markets, so you know, is transfer fee. This was free agency stuff, and I thought it was. I, I liked it. I thought it was fun to see. And, and I guess that I'd be interested to see if it transfers to good results on the field. Because as Miko can tell you as a coach, right, like not every collection of players are able to be able to figure out how to bring it together as a team, right? Not everybody, when you get between the lines, like it's exciting, everybody's really pumped. But then you get between the lines and it something doesn't click, something doesn't work, something doesn't quite go. And so that's going to be the interesting, especially early in the season, to see how they're able to figure out and work through that, especially in a short season. They don't have two full seasons. They've got like a season and whatever this year is going to be. <laughs> so, you know, you hope that they can do a Kuvala. I mean, they can hope that they can do a Kuvala where they where they are able to, you know, benefit from the short season and, and, and you know, and capitalize, right? But... It could go another way, right? We saw teams last year that were really well composed that didn't make the playoffs at all. So, you know, so it can go either way. But I'm excited to see it. I think it's good for the game, obviously. You're not everybody doing that, but big city teams playing like big, paying like big city teams, I think, is a good thing for the for the game. Well, sticking with the kind of departures from from Jonsson Myler, um, we've actually seen two big signings for, for Johansson in the off-season, and that was um, Vili Valiaho, uh, who formerly uh, pitched with Sotkamo, and uh, Patrick Valston as well from uh, Koskan Korva. Um, two really good signings, I think. Two really interesting ones for very different reasons. I'm very pleased to see Valiaho back um, pitching. I was wondering what he, he would be like um, at the plate after having such a long time away from the game, but in the practice matches that uh, I, I saw on uh, Rutu, um, I was really impressed, or still impressed, I should say, uh, with his pitching. Um, and uh, Walston, well, we we spoke at length at how he was he was a monster um, last year, uh, an offensive monster, and um, he was basically the only the only player on Koskan Korva's lineup who was was doing anything uh, of note with the team. Um, so Miko, do you think that they're solid signings for Yonsu? Well, of course. I mean, we're talking we're talking about absolutely high quality players. No, no doubt about it. But to be honest, the one thing that uh, one thing that I was pleased about from a personal point of view was that, like, if if we come back to Tampere and we think about Johansu, because uh, a lot of those players trans, uh, like played for Johansu before, and now they will play for Tampere. Is the uh, Tampere making those signings is the best thing that has happened in Pesapallo in years. I mean, they 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 will. It's a make or break kind of thing, and that makes people interested. But also. Uh, for me, it was a good sign that even though Johansson has 
probably build the most stable financial back backbone to a Persepolo organization that I have ever seen in, in this game. I mean, they have now they have uh, two people in, in the organization, in their board, that any sports team in Finland, regardless of sport, would take those two people to be members of their board and 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 to build their thing and they have a they have a great stadium if they would have wanted to they they could have competed for those players and go to like uh get, to try to give them higher wages or something like that but i'm i'm super pleased that they did it because one thing that they had done is that they they put the resources into developing their young players because now the game has got recognition in Joensuu area that now the young young players like Costa Ketunen, for example, as one who plays uh, plays on a high level now he's 21 now, and uh, he he I mean he was the level he played ice hockey on the level they would have probably ensured that he would he could have gone like semi-professional or even professional in terms of like his skills in the sport but he chose Pesapallo and that would not have been the case in my junior years in in Joensu area and so now they're giving opportunities to players like Kettunen and Samuel Tirkkonen who, who's like who uh, turns 18 only this year but he will probably play on the outfield so so they they're sticking to the plan and uh, the plan is to play for places between one and four to reach the semi-finals uh, on a regular basis but if they like even if they get get knocked out in in the quarterfinals some year it's not the end of the world and there's not a lot of uh, teams in this game who can say that same thing. Sotkamo has the similar kind of mindset, but uh, Joensu was like has been known for paying the players. Uh, I wouldn't say handsomely, but well in terms of this board before. But now their strategy is like it has changed, and I think that is sustainable right now. So those two signings, they they have a they have a lot to prove. They they want to prove, and they're they're hungry for success. And uh, of course, they add the needed quality also to the team. So, so yeah, they they're they are one of the those six teams that I see that stand a chance of winning the championship. Well, I, I must say, of all of the signings um, that happened over the the off season. I was most pleased to see those two for Yoinsu, um, because I, I felt that they would fit into a new dynamic for that team very well. And I'm excited to see that team. I'm excited to see how they'll play. So in terms of new, uh, we're looking at that. But uh, in terms of old, um, at KPL, Tony Kohonen is is still going and, and still going strong, might I add, even though um, last year he was... Um, playing third base instead of his usual pitcher role, um, as we've seen him in the past, new challenges and, and all. Yeah, he's he's still going strong and shows no sign of slowing down or stopping either. I can see you agreeing with me, Ron. Uh, do you think that's a fair statement? 
uh, whenever I talk about the game, you know, I met him years ago once. He was very gracious uh, in America, actually. And uh, and and I, I say that. So I'm, I'm obviously was not a fan of him in Sakamo, but ever since he left Sakamo, I'm a fan now. It's like I just that guy can play till he's fifty if he wants to. I'm good with it. Um, it's just fun to see, you know, like the greatest pitcher of all time to, to, to see the guy still, still out there playing and, and it, there's no American parallel for this really. So when I talk about him or explain the game, it's fun to try to talk about different characters and different color people who play in the game. He's one of the people that I mentioned. And so I enjoy it for the storyline, but obviously his accomplishments speak for themselves. And I think that, you know, again, when you talk about a good guy, having a guy in the locker room who can you know, young players get to look up to and they grew up watching him if they played Pace Apollo. And now you get to like, you'll be some 17 year old kid and you're on this team and you're like, yeah, I played with him. You know, how cool is that? But also his dad may have played and his dad could have played with him too, depending on how old the guy is. Right. So it's kind of a neat, I think that's just a really cool, a cool story. It's a cool story. It's again, it talks about the game. Um, I mentioned when I was in Vimpoli two years ago that the thing that I loved about um, being in, being in that up close to the game, especially in a small town like Vimpoli, was how all the old players are still around. You know, like they say, "Oh, Ron, this is this guy played with us in the '60s. He was on the championship team in the '60s." They're all very nice. Everybody's very gracious, and you know, and, and so being able to see the history of the game as an American, you don't get to. You all said this in the podcast last time. I think Miko said it. He's like, "If you follow you follow this game long enough, you're gonna get to know somebody who plays this game individually. You're just gonna. It's just gonna happen inevitably." And that's not a thing you can say about other sports. And I and it's true. And so I think that this is just sort of an illustration of the the respect that people who play the game and watch the game and who are part of the community, because not really it's not just the game as a community, right? Um, get to be part of that and get to see that legacy. And so I think Tony playing till as long as he wants to, and everybody being like, Yeah, <laughs> like I think just speaks to that. because um, in other sports you'd be like, Hey man, maybe you're taking a spot from somebody else. But that's not what we think. So I think that's pretty cool. And uh, as well as uh, Tony Kohonen carrying on, um, we've also seen uh, Sami Partanen, um, who has moved back to Kite uh, for the coming season. Uh, a nice sort of homecoming, uh, perhaps, for him. Are, are you pleased to see these players still um, towards the top end of the statistics, uh, still playing on, Miko? Extremely satisfied. And... There are two reasons. I mean, well, first of all, because they're, uh, they're the, if we would have a Hall of Fame, they would be Hall of Fame players uh, in their own right. And uh, but but what I think from a coaching point of view, and also setting from setting an example point of view, uh, I I know both of those guys and. I know that the length that they go to to ensure that they are in shape, that they take care of their bodies. I mean, especially when we're talking about Kohonen. And it also, it, this also applies to Paratanen, but especially with Kohonen. It's like uh, that, that he's training hours throughout the year. They, they have been like top five year after year, no matter what his level has been. And we all know what his level has been. So he's like, uh, he's the guy who comes to practice two hours before it actually starts. And uh, 
when when the younger players come there 30 minutes before the practice starts to change their gear and stuff like that he has already been to the gym he has been pitching by himself for 45 minutes and playing mental games like thinking that what kind of a pitch will i pitch then now there's an for example what he does what he did in winter time was that he printed out the batting order for their main opponents and he played like a chess game inside his head with just the pitching plate and the ball and he thought that okay now there's Wimpeli's number one is coming to bat what kind of a pitch I'm I'm gonna pitch now he was able to make it to first base and now there's Sami Harpakoski coming up what kind of a pitch will I have for for his first strike and how will I play the game so and that's and and by then he had been selected the pitcher of pitcher of the year like eight or ten times so it's like it it tells uh, it tells you everything that uh, I mean at some point the the most popular podcast not just a sports podcast but a most popular podcast sport called Urheilu podcast uh, in in Finland uh, at one point they uh, they did quite a lot of stuff about Pesapalo and especially Kohonen and the guy who runs that podcast said that that if Kohonen would be in a sport that would be an Olympic sport he would just bluntly say that there's no such option as not winning in the Olympics that he would not approve any other result and he would just work accordingly and that's exactly his mindset so it's that okay the younger players can look up to him but but when the younger players see the the hours that he still puts in it's like that's the that's the most impressive part of it and the same applies to Paratan and he's he he could just play on and be an example and stuff like that but uh he also he, he was in danger of like having his career shortened by by injury because of injuries like maybe 10 15 years ago he had some like uh, uh, abdominal problems and stuff like that but he since then he has also gone through a lengthy process of uh, professional conditioning and doing things in a new like new new way to ensure that he can play as long as he wants to and he will be invaluable for the Gitter team to to be able to make that next step because we saw their potential last year. Well, we'll take another break here before we uh, come back and take a quick look at uh, EPESIS and the Super Cup. Okay, so uh, welcome back. Um, very briefly, one of the uh, developments that we've seen uh, during the off-season is uh, this this thing that's sort of been bubbling up in the background, something that we've been talking about for some time, um, this program called E-Passes. Um, Miko, you probably know more about it than, than Ron or I do, but uh, what exactly is it? 
it's a statistics tool to that provides you the kind of data uh, from the games that can be transferred directly into how how you play the game and what kind of things you need to work on and and what kind of what kind of things you need to focus on when you're playing against a certain opponent and uh, <clears throat> since they since you can get statistics like uh, like actual what what we have been doing with a stopwatch uh, as as coaches is to take a look at the videos and take our like clock the times that how much does it take for Mikko Kanala to reach like uh, home base when he leaves from third base but now we have actual data about it and it's it's also like uh, for me I, I i absolutely love numbers and and those kinds of things and it's like the the data and the odds this this is a game of odds in the end for a big a big part of it is um, the data has been there before but not maybe not to this extent and uh, there was a other similar kind of a program titania that was used uh, that had been has been used for the last like 15 years over the last 15 years or 10 years but uh, both of those provide tools that can take the data analysis of this game to a new level and it uh, obviously it has two benefits it can it can benefit the team such as Kiritaret uh, in the women's super places I just I, I, I spoke about this with uh, uh, Nala Villian and the game manager uh, I, I spoke about this on the phone with him just about a week ago uh, less than a week ago actually and we went we just uh, uh, I, I mean I, I knew what what he does with that but he's been in the game for 30 plus years on the highest level and uh, now he's getting the kind of data that he has spent uh, like numerous hours and nights before trying to get those from the VHS like videos and now now it's time to take the next step and the obviously the other thing is that getting that data for for the spectators and fans that's that's also the next step because it can and that's also one thing that will help in getting this game to to the next level. I agree. I mean, uh, as an international fan, I'd love to see some um, you know more expansive, real time uh, statistics and uh, uh, some understanding of where the ball's been hit, for example, as well. Um, certainly, that happens in baseball um, and in, in cricket internationally as well. And you can get um, you can get a lot of data there, and it's it's actually quite interesting when you can sort of break down those games as a as a fan. Um, I mean, I'm looking at the EPES's website, and you know, I I can see the splits in times for people running from, for example, first to second base, uh, and they've even plotted how long it takes for the player to react 
from from moving from from the base as well. So that that's, I mean, much like Miko yourself and Ron have seen you agreeing as well in terms of statistics. That that's something that really blows my mind. I'm really interested to see those kind of things. Um, Ron, you watched as as we mentioned before uh, quite a lot of the women's games last year. Did you think that uh, Kitaret had a bit of a bit of an edge um, trying the the Persis system last year? Absolutely. Um, I mean, they played so when you watched them play. I mean, so you saw how that team, how good that team is, um, night in and night out. Um, you know, in that lineup. And so, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm sure it helped. I mean, the thing is, with talented players, they have talented players. I don't think it. You know, this isn't the Houston Astros, you know, situation where they were getting, you know, they were getting illicit information or anything like that. But I think it, I think what it does show you, though, is that the team with that level of performance and talent, coupled with like information and data, if it can, what it, what can, if it can help players at that level, say it helps them 2%, I'd argue maybe it helps more. But what can it do for a player at a, a lower level, right? Or say maybe like a different team or something like that. So I think it'll be, it'll be huge. I mean, obviously, as a fan, it'll be amazing have access to this information but i think for teams we've seen it in every other sport you know, every other sport now you know analytics has become a, analytics has become a very big part of all sports you know it's with the baseball thing for a long time and now everybody's kind of found their own ways to do this and so i think as fans even being able to to see this information as teams get to use this data and then we get to see the data maybe we this we new ways to help teams process this information and so um, helps us transform how we see certain players and see the game. It's, it certainly changed basketball, right? In terms of the data that you get to use and see to change how you approach the game. And so I'll be interested to see how down the road it changes how people approach paces and how teams approach different things or different players or players we thought maybe, oh, that person didn't seem very good, but it turns out because of the data, they are really useful because they do these things. And so, I mean, again, if they can help a team like that, Certainly, everyone should get on board. It's a good team to pick to be your your pilot, um, you know, given the success they've had. Yeah, I can uh, I can give, for example, one example of of how that can be used and how how it can also affect uh, how we practice in this sport in the future. Is that, for example, if you have the lead runner and second second base. Uh, using this analysis tool, you can see for a fact that when, when the pitcher holds the ball between his or her arms, and when if the pitcher fakes the pitch but doesn't actually release the ball, and then throws the ball to second base to try to like to catch the the runner out of base, you can see for a fact that how much time does it take from that point when the pitcher is not releasing the ball to the actual moment when the ball reaches second base? And what Giretaret did was that they, they did an in-depth analysis of all, all their like key opponents, their, their most important opponents and their pitches. And they, in, what they did in practice was was that they put the runners on second base and they they simulated the situation that how far can you be from second base and still get back in inside that time frame. And for example, if you if if the pitcher doesn't like do that movement smoothly 
or if they just simply lack a throwing arm to to de- deliver the ball to second base efficiently and fast, what they will do is that they dare you. I mean, they they will go sometimes even on purpose. They they will not even try to get a best possible start from second base, but they're sending a signal that we know your game. You you cannot. I mean. Uh, you should be able to make an out of it, but you can't. So that's like, it gets inside your head. And uh, and when, when they have the uh, the quality that Ron said to go along with it, it's like, they, well, that's the kind of uh, preparation that is like the standard in these today's professional sports, team sports, or it should be. But, but it's like... Um, after that, what we need to do as a sport is to develop uh, better pitches. And as uh, simple as that, it's like uh, uh, when it's if it's used well, it can be an invaluable tool for the sport. And uh, finally, for the podcast, um, if you don't already know, there hasn't been a Harley SM uh, this year. It, it's been cancelled, and um, we saw the Pesapalolito, the federation, saying, if you want to arrange your own competitions, if you want to arrange your own games, it's up to you, but you have to stick within the national and the local rules um, that are in play. And in its place, what we've we've seen, the league, um, the league has announced, is uh, something called the Super Cup. And there's going to be uh, 12 teams uh, playing in it. Um, so it's the, of the 15 Superpesis teams. The only teams that aren't playing in it are Vimpoli, KPL, Koskenkorva, and Hovinka. But that leaves one spot open for uh, a team, and the the team that's taken that up is Olon uh, Lippo, who uh, obviously they've they've got they've got a lot of history, they've got a lot of uh, status uh, as a team, having been in Superpesis uh, a number of years back. Um. What did you think of the format of the, this competition, Miko? Well, my uh, honest opinion is that it's, it's better than nothing. And uh, hopefully it's uh, entertaining. Hopefully they can play it. But, I mean, in this uh, in these times of uncertainty, it's... Uh, well, it's important to get people something to, like... To remember the game, to remember the sport, and and the next, well, obviously the next month or next three four weeks will tell tell us a lot more about the like the possibilities of getting the actual season underway in time. So I think that this Super Cup is 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 a good thing, definitely. Uh, it the teams need games. The off season is so long anyway, and uh, in the worst—I mean, the worst case scenario—or not the worst case—but there's also a very realistic scenario that we will not get the season underway in early May as it's scheduled, because we're we're just about to we, when we're recording this, it's. Uh, 4th of March and uh, 
from the from the 8th of March, we're starting a three-week uh, restrictions in inside Finland that are more severe. So uh, it's it's anybody's guess what the situation will be after that. And uh, starting the season a little bit later than in May is in my in my eyes it's the most realistic vision. So also from that point of view, we need something for now. And uh, this cup competition is a good addition. It is a shame that uh, we won't see um, all of these Superfaces teams and, and notably absent um, is Vimpoli and, and Kovala. Um, I saw a, an article um, from Yari Portilla, the uh, the journalist, um, about why Vimpoli weren't fielding a team for this cup. And um, they said, hey, look, you know, we want to, to focus on our preparation for the season in the way that we do. And Perto Ruska is um, up. He's stationed with the military as well, so he wouldn't be there. So they didn't feel that it would be a proper, um, a proper show of their team. It wouldn't be a proper um, training event, effectively, for them either, because um, their pitcher wouldn't be there. Um, but obviously, Ron, as well, from your perspective, you know, Vimpley, KPL, you know, they're, they're big names in the sport. Um, they they'd be missing from this cup. Do you think that that takes a little bit of the edge off? No, I think what Miko said. I think this is all preseason. It's just a way for teams to stay energized to keep the game relevant. But I don't think that these game that this is going to affect one thing or another. I mean, it's like asking if if I mean, almost thinking about like when we used to actually have you know the Holly SM and and you know like oh you won gold in Holly SM. Does that mean this team okay now they're the favorite to win it all? Eh, I mean. No, not necessarily. There's many variables to this, especially with COVID and, and this era. Everything is so confusing. I don't think it takes a shine off the event. I'm glad there's something happening. I'm glad there are games for us to watch. Um, I'm glad the players will get to continue to work out. It's better than nothing, but no, I don't think oh, it, it's a big deal. Ultimately. If anything, it gives the guys a rest, right? And they can work on their own training and not have to, you know. Well, let's hope that the games can all uh, commence well and safely and that we do have uh, a start to the season sooner rather than later. Um, but, of course, the most important thing, as we always say on this uh, podcast, is is uh, public health and safety. Um, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for um, this podcast. I want to uh, thank my uh, co-hosts, Mikko Pirhonen and Ron Bronson. Uh, Mikko, thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure, as always. And Ron, always a pleasure. Um, so that just leaves it with me, uh, your host Ian Alba. Um, thank you for um, listening to the podcast. If you want to know more, um, then uh, please check out the uh, Twitter, which is at superpesisr, or the blog, because there's always interesting articles uh, coming out on the blog, and that's superpesisroundup.blogspot.com. And of course, please do get in touch. Uh, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, please like or subscribe. And uh, until next time, stay safe. If you've got something that's hidden far away